0: Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony
1: D'Urso. Welcome, I'm your host, Tony D'Urso, and it's good to have you with us today. And maybe this episode will hit closer to home to help you out. If this resonates with you, and I really do hope it does, please share this with your friends too. This is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. Today, we're going to discuss winning in your category with Dan Granger. Now, you're listening right now because you want to scale up your business. You want to learn some great marketing tactics, or you're planning to start something great. Maybe you want to hack that day job of yours and turn your custom watch design into a six-figure income maker, something like that. Am I right so far? So basically, you want to win in your category. And what is winning? As we spoke in a recent episode with Bree Seely, it's about getting the equivalent of the bronze, silver, or gold medal. But you know, in the Olympics, there's thousands and thousands of people they try out in their country, they get selected, and only a few select move on to the big game or games. But the difference in the business world, in life, every person listening to this, and that's you, can develop a sustainable business and win in your category. Now, with recent guests, we've given a lot of tips and advice in this area. So let's put it all together here for you. Meet Dan Granger, founder and CEO of Oxford Road. It's the leading independent audio agency in the U.S. They've helped hundreds of direct-to-consumer companies scale their efforts in audio using podcast, radio, streaming, connected voice, and more. Let's find out more and drill into this. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show.
2: Hi, Tony. Great to be here.
1: Dan, the honor is all mine, and we're all looking forward to learning more about winning in our category. And we have a lot of questions about this. And just before we get into it, we'd love to know about your backstory and how did it all start for you?
2: Sure. So um, I got out of school and uh, had had moved to California to go to college. I uh, got the entertainment bug like a lot of people. It's hard to be in LA County and not to uh, get pulled in. And I started working for a company that made documentaries for the History Channel. And I love history, but I wasn't learning any history. And I was dealing with license agreements and sitting in traffic most of the day, running tapes around town. And while I was doing that, I started turning on uh, different formats. I got sick of hearing the same songs on the radio over and over again. So I, I tried the, the AM dial and started learning about spoken word. And I found that it opened my eyes and my mind um, to different perspectives that I hadn't heard before. And I liked the debate, the banter, the, the in-depth conversation that audio allowed for that I didn't feel like other media types could compete with. So there was an awakening there for me. And I, um, I saw some people that were very successful uh, in sales, and I didn't want to just sell to sell, um, but I thought, well, if there was something that I was really passionate about, and I could sell that, maybe I'd be really successful and enjoy my life. And so I was passionate about spoken word audio and found out you could sell it, and there's so much autonomy that comes with that world, um, being able to manage client relationships, write, ad copy... Uh, being able to manage the campaigns and and measure the impact that it has on a business. I thought that was all very, very exciting. So I started working uh, for what is now iHeartMedia, what at the time was Clear Channel Radio in 2003. Did that for about 10 years. And over the time that I was there, one of the things I found that was missing in the industry was the ability to go deeper than some kind of big boxes of genres in other words you know when you when you turn on a radio station there's formats right there's a kiss fm in most markets there might be a country a classical but they're really only uh, skimming the surface of what is possible within those genres and when you go to spoken word it's the same issue you might be talking about presidential politics you might be talking about immigration there's um there's a list of topics that they talk about and what the internet was starting to prove at that time in the early 2000s was that you could really fan out and get specific and find communities that had common interests that went deeper than just these big tent uh, poll topics that most of the industry was predicated on. And so, you know, look, I, I grew up in Michigan. First half of my life was there. And if you if you study Henry Ford, you learn that not only, most of us know he didn't actually invent the automobile, but the interesting thing is he gets credited for the assembly line. Well, he didn't really invent that either. He went to Chicago and saw meatpacking plants where they had animal carcasses on hooks that could rotate around to different stations and said, I'm gonna adopt that model because I see a parallel business and apply that over to my field. And he did that to great effect. Well, what I was able to observe was things like the advent of the blogosphere and the idea that everybody now had a website, people started doing newsletters, people started doing blog posts, and you could get really, really in-depth about things that were never possible to build communities around before, things that um, whatever your particular interest in, you could go very, very deep. And so, for example, Tony, your show is is a perfect example Because you're dealing with entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and in reality, this could never be a Monday through Friday uh, drive time, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. program, and yet there are millions and millions and millions of people in this country that want this type of content, but they couldn't do that when they were limited by just a few presets in their car. So podcast allowed... The, the industry to fan out into go in all of these subgenres, and where you could find affinity groups and they could have a common place to meet without being limited by an AM or an FM signal. And communities started rising up around these clusters of interest. And, and so we saw that happening early. And I started kicking the tires on the industry around two thousand six, made a proposal to the to my employer at the time called talk radio two point and kind of forecasted, Pandora just started. these podcasts are starting to happen. I think there's going to be a big movement in this direction. The reality is that they were too big to care, and the the industry was too small to notice at that time. So went about my business for a few years um and and got to really cut my teeth in working with direct to consumer tech brands. I started taking trips. I wear a suit. I don't wear a suit much anymore. I'm a little dressed up for you, tony, but uh, but typically, We don't wear suits anymore, right? But at the time, you know, I'd wear the suit and tie and I'd take my trips up to the Silicon Valley and I'd try to, you know, walk in on a business and they didn't operate that way at all. It was a softer touch and they really didn't want to talk about the benefits of audio media. What they wanted to hear about was metrics and analytics and how do you know that it's working And I learned the language of the tech industry in terms, because at that time, you know, we're probably talking 2005 to 2010, there was a real language barrier. And the one, the the companies that had survived the dot-com boom or been, and bust, or had been created after it, they had accountability that we had never seen before. And so I learned the language of that type of accountability. I feel like all advertising is always kind of based on a central agreement that, the advertiser says, what's the least we can spend to try something? And if it works, we'll spend more. And I think, you know, now you, when you become a big brand, you have a longer time horizon, but it's essentially the same question. How do you do something that's going to work? How do you measure it? How do you expand what's working? And so I really got to um, learn and and build a team to, to, work with me on this and incubate what became Oxford road inside of clear channel working with tech companies that were very afraid and didn't really understand channels like radio and give them the opportunity to do it. Well, there were two waves cresting at the same time. And one was the direct to consumer wave. So for example, we got to do the first uh, podcast deal with a uh, dollar shave club. And you got to remember like 2003 or I'm sorry, 2013 it was novel that you could ship somebody razor blades in the mail right? Like that was disruptive at the time. That was a big deal. And then you had these consumers of, of media like podcast. They were early adopters too. They didn't have the opportunity uh, to hear what they wanted, wherever they wanted, whenever they wanted. They had to work hard to get to that content. And so they were early adopters using early adopter products. And so it was a match made in heaven because the ads performed really well. So I started with a little side hustle where some of us would go into a conference room and make calls to, you know, the Mark Marons of the world and their managers. They didn't have all these networks. And we built a web of relationships that we could take some radio advertisers that wanted to expand into new channels and put them on podcasts with great success. So the convergence of the direct-to-consumer revolution and the podcast revolution Um, caused us to have a little side hustle that became a a large business very quickly. And we were able to open our doors um, on good terms with my previous employer, Clear Channel, and also um, a full book of business. And so in 2013, we started Oxford Road and uh, we're off to the races, grew very, very quickly. You know, we got into the Inc. 500, which is, is cool. But what was even cooler was they measure your growth on a three year period. We achieved what it takes three years for most companies to do to get in the 500. We did that in two years. No outside funding, no help uh, from really any institutions. We did this thing on our own. And, uh, and I'm proud to say I'm still working with a lot of the same people that, uh, that we kicked this off with. It's great.
1: We're talking with Dan Granger about winning in your category. And you can find out more at OxfordRoad.com. We know how to spell that. O X F O R D road.com. This is the Tony D'Urso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about winning in your category with Dan Granger. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Do you employ or pay workers in other countries? Even if you don't yet, you might soon. Now that remote work is the norm, employees have more freedom than ever to move around. If you want to keep your best people, you have to stay flexible. That's why remote makes it easy for companies of all sizes to employ global teams. That's R-E-M-O-T-E. They take care of international payroll, benefits, taxes, and local compliance so you can focus less on paperwork. And more on growing your business. Remote helps you onboard full-time employees or contractors in countries all over the world in minutes on its simple, easy-to-use platform. Even better, Remote lets you rest easy by providing the most comprehensive intellectual property protections and data security in the industry. They own full local legal entities in all their covered countries, guaranteeing you never have to deal with a third party ever to save you money. Remote never charges any fees or salary percentages. You get access to everything remote offers from payroll to compliance to benefits management for one low flat rate. No hidden fees, no surprises ever. Just the best global employment solution in the business. Best of all, podcast listeners get an even bigger discount Get your first employee free for 12 months and two months free for any additional employees onboarded during their first year. Just visit remote.com slash Tony and use promo code Tony. See why top global companies like GitLab trust remote to manage and pay their international teams. Whether you want to hire one person or 100, remote makes it easy. Visit remote.com slash Tony and use promo code TONY to get started. That's R-E-M-O-T-E dot com slash T-O-N-Y. Try it today and tell me how you like it. Remote.com slash Tony, code Tony.
0: You're listening to the Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now back to Tony and his guest.
1: All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is winning in your category with Dan Granger. Check out my elite entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can find everything back to day one at Tony D'Urso.com slash podcast. And now back to the chat with Dan. Dan, it is quite an amazing story of how, and I want to drill a little bit into why Oxford Road and why, what makes it so different. It's like podcasts, we know that and radio, we know that, but why are you so different? And, um, and then we want to kind of go into the media landscape a little bit, but let's just start there on what makes you so different.
2: Well, you know, I think the answer to that question evolves. At the beginning I think a lot of it was we were really kind of the only game in town. I mean, there there were some agencies that still exist today that were starting to transition from being radio agencies or endorsement radio specialists into the podcast space. Uh, but I think we were the first ones to come out and say, no, no, this is, this is the primary and everything else is secondary. Um, and I think that gave us an early mover advantage for sure. Um, and then being able to develop some... So some expertise in areas that I think are lacking, for example, you know, we have a um, a, a program called Audiolytics. It's proprietary to Oxford Road that actually allows us to break down uh, ad or any really persuasive device using words and to look at the structure of it and say, OK, how does it fit against nine key components and 71 subcomponents? And what are the values of those components? and allows us to score ad creative and make optimizations to ad creative to the to maximum effect. So when we start a campaign, we've done so much QC on the ad copy by itself that um, it's, a lot of times our ads will last years and years and years, and it becomes very, very hard to beat the first one that we ever go to market with because we're so rigorous in the process of developing it. Um, that's one example. I think what it's, uh, what that points up to... It all kind of ladders up to this idea of like a checklist manifesto and the idea that um, I think we've probably created the most robust list of critical things that need to underpin a successful campaign, whether that's in media for the planning, which is more than rate negotiation, even though that's important. There's a lot to flighting, scheduling, unit lengths, frequency. Um, These are really important components that we pay attention to and have a a rigorous approach that we can actually use metrics and numbers to hold ourselves accountable to things like attribution, figuring out, you know, where the response to your ads came from. And that takes a lot of work. Uh, That marketplace continues to evolve, but we have a compliance process to make sure that the clients we work with have checked a number of boxes and completed a number of steps so that we know that we'll have the best chance in the market to be successful. And then, you know, the three M's, media measurement messaging. These are the three legs of the marketing stool. And so messaging is audiolytics is a big part of that. And then the other part of it is working with hosts like you, Tony, when we go to market to launch a campaign, we want the hosts to be as engaged as they're willing to be with the brand so that they can actually make that authentic firsthand recommendation and tell the story in their own voice. There's an art and a science to add creative, particularly in our field. The science is more audiolytics. That's the structure. So, so that there's the right framework and components in the message that we're going to hand to you. But when you receive it as the talent, we want to make sure that you can make that your own and style it in the way that only you can with your own unique story and connection to the brand. So, you know, what makes Oxford Road different historically? I think the fact that we were early. I think the fact that we established expertise in audio with podcast being our signature dish, but I also think it's the fact that we've been OCD to an extent. We've been rigorous in creating, defining, operating against protocols and processes that ensure maximum viable scale and best in market performance for our clients, which is part of our mission statement.
1: But there's more to Oxford Road than just being early. From what I understand, it's because a lot of companies, let's say mid-sized companies, will just go so much on magazines, so much billboard, so much radio, so much podcast. But you have bigger or a nice, how do I put it, a nice good area for the media landscape that you do advertise, and you're so in tune to the metrics, which is really tough. Ask, ask a lot of podcasters how well their shows are listened to and the demographics, it has been a tough point. You know, who's my audience? Where are they? How long do they listen? There's ways to get around it, but there's costs and there's more technology involved. But you've gotten around a a bit of this. I don't mean around. You've, You've tackled and solved this for your large advertisers, sponsors that work with you. And being able to give them the metrics that are what they need to see that their ad is performing. Because you see something out on the billboard or on TV, you don't necessarily know in the old days what it was doing. You just know, well, my phone is rung more times, more, you know, today it's very, very different. And I'd like to know how far you've taken that down in terms of being able to see where you're getting the best bang for the buck, so to speak, and where you're getting the best results on your advertising.
2: Okay. So um, great question. And without going down the attribution rabbit hole and talking, you know, pixel based attribution versus surveys and promo codes and all that, let's just agree that um, we have best in class methodologies. And we, sometimes we work with third parties so that we know how every program that we buy performs. We have hundreds of millions of dollars of historical performance data on thousands of different programs and channels uh, that we've accumulated over the years. Now what we've been able to do is tag it, normalize it and express it back to ourselves in a way that it doesn't just help when you're talking to a client and going, here's the performance we saw by program. Here's how we're going to optimize. That's part of the work, but behind the scenes in our planning process what we've been able to do is say, okay, you are brand X. Um, we have worked with, you know, half a dozen brands that reach a similar target, that have similar goals, maybe similar KPIs or pricing points. And we're going to look at the top performing assets for each of those other advertisers that meet your, that are really in your comp set. And we're going to paint by numbers and go from the top down using our performance data and knowing that, hey, look, this show show uh, Y was an average of 5x better than it needed to be across seven different brands that were like the one that we're placing for. Well, guess what? The math and the analytics is going to inform that media plan better than anything Nielsen can give you. And so that is definitely a part of the secret sauce being able to have case studies or a database of data, performance data, and being able to correlate that and project it forward for other brands. You know, nothing predicts success like past success. And we have the information to be able to use that with every plan that we make. And so we try to do that.
1: Dan, I like to look at this from a non-biased, maybe a little humble approach approach. Are podcasts really as good as we think they are in terms of advertising with them? We have a lot of podcasters in the audience as well. How do we stand? How does how do we or how do podcasts stand up to radio and these other forms of advertising?
2: Look, every channel has its advantages. I think that you've got a bit of a gold rush still going on in podcasts. Word has spread and you're seeing a lot of money flow into the business in the last couple of years, of course, a lot of M&A. So, you know, when 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 is when does it overheat? I don't know. I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, but I look, I do think it has natural advantages. For example, what we talked about was, you know, radio is an intimate channel and you can paint pictures with words and you can connect with people more deeply and it's not so sound bite driven. You know, you turn on cable or, you know, a lot of what you see on television, it's it's got to move real real fast and you can go an inch deep and a mile wide. It's like Twitter in a way. You know, a lot of online content is like that. You get short thoughts. And if you want to go deep, you have to read an article. Well, we're like the articles. We're like the magazines, right? Like Where you can really connect and break down a problem and workshop it and talk about the different sides of it and have a human connection and, I think, an empathy for each other that is really hard to produce when you're bound to a time clock when you've only got 30 minutes, when you've got to have a ton of commercial breaks in the middle of it. I just think that audio is perhaps the most intimate media channel. And I've always believed that. So I got into that because I believed it as a consumer. But I think that podcast, half of its advantages are organic. The other half are going to go away uh, because... Listen, uh, they've all been, you know, uh, most of the the impressions that occur in the podcast medium um, are now owned by large corporations who at some point are going to have to make good on their investment when they buy a network for $300 million. They're going to have to show a return. That means more ad units. That means more produced ads. That means less risk. You're bringing in, now you're courting big Madison Avenue brands. And, you know, we work with all sizes of companies, but the bigger the company, the less they want to see you be a maverick in your content. But who built the podcast ecosystem? Mavericks, Um, people that were willing to go against the grain that starts to go away. And so I do think over time we lose our edge a little. And I think we become a compromise with what was radio. But I certainly think that it has advantages. You know, um, I know we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about brand safety and polarization and some of the challenges of combining user-generated content with the spoken word and giving everybody access to that with no filters and oversight. You know, I think the this is how the West was won. It starts out uh, with a great opportunity for the people that move early if you don't get killed. And uh, and then eventually you go, well, they're running out of gold, but we can still sell these guys picks and shovels. And, you know, I think that you start to see infrastructure coming into the space in ways that um, you didn't see before. And and I think we just have to accept that that's the natural progression of things and and be excited for the incremental progress that we've made and that we will sustain in the industry.
1: This is the Tony D'Urso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about winning in your category with Dan Granger. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Being a pet parent is a huge responsibility. Since our pets can't talk, We do our best to understand what's going on, but knowing something's up with them or their health and not understanding why is one of the greatest challenges of pet parenthood. Enter Fuzzy, F-U-Z-Z-Y. Fuzzy is a telehealth service for pet parents that offers 24-7 access to personalized pet care from veterinary professionals. From everyday questions to middle-of-the-night emergencies, Fuzzy has the answers pet parents need through live chat and virtual vet consultations available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Fuzzy can answer your pet questions big and small, urgent, and every day. Fuzzy can also recommend the exact right products for your pet, all of which are hand picked by their established team of veterinary professionals and available at discounts exclusive to Fuzzy members. From getting your pet's diet just right to meeting their middle-of-the-night needs to finally figuring out what makes their breasts smell that way, nothing is too big or small for a quick fuzzy call. So let's do this. Right now, Fuzzy is offering our listeners a free 7-day trial membership. Go to yourfuzzy.com slash D-U-R-S-O today to sign up. That's a free 7-day trial at Y-O-U-R-F-U-Z-Z-Y dot com slash D-U-R-S-O. And for a limited time, Fuzzy is also offering a special discount of $20 off any of your pet's product needs. Pet meds, supplements, food, and more with promo code D-U-R-S-O. That's YourFuzzy.com slash D-U-R-S-O for your free trial of Fuzzy with access to 24-7 personalized pet care and vet-recommended products. Do this today, check it out, and tell me how you like it. YourFuzzy.com slash DiErso.
0: You're listening to The Tony DiErso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his
1: guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is winning in your category with Dan Granger. If you podcast, let's get you more engagement on your episodes with thousands of visitors checking out your content. Would that be cool? Go to Tony D-U-R-S-O dot com slash grow and see how we can help you. That's Tony D'Urso.com slash G-R-O-W. And now back to the chat with Dan. And what about, there are some controversial outlets in all of this. What about that in terms of advertising and bringing on advertising? There's, there's dangers, there's risks. Can you comment on that?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Um, You know, everything you do or who you are is going to bother somebody. It's all going to offend somebody. Um, And we, I think, we have found that everybody's a journalist now. Everybody's got a microphone. You and I have shows because we decided to have shows, right? And uh, and and social media, I think, is the easy example of all this. What happens when you turn on everybody's mic at the same time and you don't have anybody moderating the conversation? It gets messy real fast. And so in the same way that... You know, Facebook has misinformation problems, it has hate problems, and the more polarizing a statement you make, the more attention it draws. You know, we've, we've known for a long time, if it bleeds, it leads, right? We'll extrapolate on that for every type of media with no FCC governance uh, on the Internet, and ed- the floodgates are open, and we're all living through that time. It's a very interesting time in human history, well, in our world and audio, it's even harder because, you know, you can't really at this stage do like keyword blocking or things like that. You know, you and I are going to have a conversation for, you know, 40, 50 minutes. And that conversation, I could say anything right now. We could do this whole thing on our cell phones and post it immediately, slap a couple ads on it. They'd never know what they were getting themselves into. And so, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And when you take the idea that you can now say anything, whether it's legal, hurtful, harmful, or just easily misunderstood, and people are as sensitive as they've ever been, and they have the ability to express their outrage or their disappointment or their opinions about what you've said or what you think in public forums in a way that, you know, in the old days, you could do a letter writing campaign, but the only person who was going to see it is the recipient. Now you get to publicly shame people at scale. And so we're in a very peculiar time and space. And I think it affects all media in big ways. But I think it is a, an elevated challenge in audio uh, where there is so much content to manage. Think about how many words are spoken, 180 words per minute, say, uh, in every piece of content that you might put out a couple times a week, once a day um you know that's going on for an hour that's a lot to monitor and there's no proofing before you before you traffic the ads and and now advertisers can get pulled into the crosshairs of any group for any reason fair or unfair and i see both of those things happening frequently and at a frequency we've never seen before
1: and we also see it on the podcast hosts the radio hosts i've seen some their whole career gets ruined because they said something Incorrect, improper, or inappropriate that just kind of came out, or even a guest, and all of a sudden, boom. So, we're, we're always very curious or very concerned about that and curious about our guests. And we go, you know, we all run through the gauntlet. And I think that's a good reason
2: to record and pre record shows just to be safe. You do the best exactly. you can, but at the end of the day, you still don't know what I'm going to say while I'm your guest. I might say something and you didn't even hear it. I might said something that has a, that's a dog whistle that totally went by you. Or I might have done something in the past that your listeners have a problem with. You can't prevent all of it, right? So I think we're all living in a world of elevated risk. And so that's a problem that we've been working very, very hard on because I, I'm not happy. I have not been satisfied with the solutions that have been brought forth to date. Dan,
1: what do you think would, is a winning strategy in this arena for all us entrepreneurs and business owners?
2: Well, it's multi-pronged for sure. Um, you know, I think there are maybe some fundamental tips and then I think there's a, there are some processes. And I can talk you through a little bit what we're doing at Oxford Road on behalf of the brands that we represent. Um, and, you know, we're representing brands that go from, you know, Series A startups to, you know, 100 plus billion dollar valuations. And so we run the gamut, we do see some common themes, things get more sensitive, the larger your businesses, of course. Um, But you know, one of the things you have to just remember at the beginning is that you can't have 100% brand safety and do anything, you have to absorb some amount of risk. And people don't want to accept that, but it's true. So part one is like, you're going to get out of bed today. You're probably going to hurt somebody's feelings and offend somebody if you're if people are paying attention to what you're doing, if your work is consequential. So that's like part one. Part two is I think about like taking inventory of what are your values? What do you really believe? And I think the first phase of Oxford Road as a, as a business was about figuring out how to have like the, the fastest car so that if you hit the gas, we can accelerate faster, we can go faster for longer than, than the others. But the next phase that we're really working on right now is about putting in the steering wheel so that you can navigate according to your values uh, in a more controlled way. A lot of people don't know what their values are, but I think there's been a big movement in the business community toward this notion of stakeholder capitalism and the idea that we can do well by doing good um, that profits and people are not mutually exclusive ideas. And there, there is such a thing as a win-win. I think a lot of people are starting to believe that. A lot of people say it. I think many of them may even believe it. And so you're seeing companies want to move toward um, having values and, um, and living out those values in the way that they work and the people that they do business with. And, you know, if you look at the studies on just the tr- trust in America – is a fascinating subject because what's happened in the last few years and decades is that um, trust for institutions like the government, uh, like the media, even nonprofits, the Edelman surveys that keep going out, keep telling us it's plummeting. People don't see these institutions as ethical or they don't see them as competent. And in the case of, uh, the media, and in the case of the government, they're seen as both unethical and incompetent. You know who people trust? They trust business right now. They trust corporations. They trust their employer to give them more accurate news and information than they do media. What do you do in that environment? And are are we even qualified for that in the business community? I don't know. But let's accept the premise that here we are. The world has changed And corporations have a new set of responsibilities where people want to work for a company that has values that align with their own. And then sometimes they want the companies that they buy products and services from, they want to know what they believe about, in some cases, things like Georgia voting or, you know, what are you doing for the environment? They are asking these questions now. They're increasingly important. So that's the reality that we live in. Like now the question is, what do you do about that? Okay, so step one, as I talked about, it's figuring out what you actually you know, like what are the hills you're going to die on? You can't what what some companies did in 2020 foolishly was they started raising their hand on too much and getting over their skis in terms of their capacity to really not. You know, we start all talking about virtue signaling, right? Just because you put something on your Instagram doesn't mean you're really ready to walk the walk. And people started calling that out and they're being held accountable for the promises that they made in corporate America. And they should be held accountable. You have to be very careful what promises you make to your stakeholders. And just because you can't make a promise doesn't mean you don't care. It just means you have limited energy, limited resources, limited bandwidth, and you need to decide, you need to be decisive about what issues you care about. So I'll give you an example. Oxford Road, you know what issue I'm concerned about is polarization. Because I feel like the company is ripping apart. People are um more in favor of secession than they have probably been since the civil war okay and 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 media is playing a big part in that we have an outrage industrial complex by the way card carrying uh participant in in supporting that com- complex i have been a a facilitator of that by putting sponsor dollars on shows that may have had good intentions, but ended up exploiting our differences. They do it on the right, they do it on the left. What we're working on now through our efforts with the Media Roundtable, which is both podcast and movement, is we're trying to um, highlight content and provide ratings information based on values and based on how polarizing content can be. We're trying to help people understand... What shows are being made that are edifying, that build people up and bring them together? And what type of content is out there that is doing more harm than good, that is pulling people apart, even if they have good intentions? There's a lot of finger pointing and a lot of people believing that the other guys are bad, we're good. Uh, I reject that premise. I don't think that's healthy. And I don't think it's healthy for the clients that we represent to be unknowingly going into content and supporting content that is divisive whichever side of the political spectrum it's on we're very very polarized and so we are starting uh with oxford road now doing things like partnering with groups like the national institute for civil discourse uh the cambridge negotiation institute Um, we uh have partnered with ad media which is they're the creators of the media bias chart they actually have independent auditors that go through a rigorous process of evaluating content. We were actually able to partner with them to create the media bias chart for podcasts so that we can make sure that when an advertiser goes into the space, that there is a way that they can find out how far right or left is what I'm sponsoring and how does that line up with my values? How reliable is this information? Is there misinformation or is this a trustworthy source? We're, we are now introducing capabilities so that advertisers can plan not just based on demographics, but also based on values, and that their brand is going to be not only um, uh, they can hold their heads high, not just because of what they say in their ads, but also because of the content that they're adjacent to. Um, So being able to know where you stand is step one. Being able to recruit tools and resources to even decode the marketplace to know what content aligns with those values is step two. And that's something that at Oxford Road, we're working very, very hard on. This is the Tony D'Urso Show,
1: where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about winning in your category with Dan Granger. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. That's T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And it becomes so hard to micromanage finances and see who's charging you. It's been a nightmare at times, but not anymore with Truebill. They saved us tons and you should use them too. Truebill has over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. Like Matthew B. who says, quote, In a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my TV bill, saved $120 for the year on my SiriusXM bill, saved $840 a year on car insurance, end quote. So let's do this. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash Tony. Go right now. Truebill.com slash Tony. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash Tony. And I'll spell that. T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L dot com slash T-O-N-Y. Check it out today and tell me how you like it. Truebill.com slash Tony. You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show
0: with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest.
1: All right, we're back on The Tony D'Urso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is winning in your category with Dan Granger. Would you like more followers on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn? We can help with that and get you organic followers. Check out Tony D'Urso. .com/grow that's tony d u r o .com/g r o w and now back to
2: the chat with Dan and then there's the expectation management piece what we talked about before knowing that before you go into the, before you get in the arena know that you're going to get hit at some point if you're successful if you're actually competing you, you can't block every accusation that's going to come your way or every guilt by association that somebody might want to pronounce on you on Twitter because you happen to sponsor a show that they had a problem with, fairly or unfairly. That's part of it. And then part of it is about, okay, you got the email. You found out that, hey, there was an issue with this program or they said something stupid today or they said something that might not have been stupid, but it sounded stupid and it sounded offensive and it sounded hurtful the line between perception and reality can get very blurry in these cases. And we have step-by-step protocols so that people cannot go to the nuclear option so fast. Because what we saw happening was that in 2020, a lot of the brands that we deal with started getting um, thrown under the bus on social media or from employees within the organization saying, Hey, you're affiliating with this content. And I find this content problematic for the following reasons. And then the shows would go, cancel this right away. Well, you know, this is not as uh, robotic as many would like to believe. It's not like you're just buying an ad. You're doing business with Tony D'Urso. There's a human being on the other side of this that we have built a relationship with on your behalf. And we want to give them their day in court. We want to do process. So we may want to pause our campaign but we want to have the ability to have a step by step process that we can go through that allows brands to truly investigate what was being said about the program that they're in partnership with and have more ideas for how to resolve if there's an issue than just cancel immediately and never go there again. You know, there's other ways to address issues, and we want to be more creative than that and keep relationships intact. And have more patience and have more due diligence and have due process uh, for before you uh, just decide to cancel something because somebody said something on social media without any oversight. So long winded, but uh, that's a a brief picture of what we're doing for the clients that we have. Um, The last thing I'll bring up and we can go as deep as you want or don't in this, but we also started a podcast that is called the Media Roundtable. And it has also been evolving over the last year and a half and where we've kind of evolved too, you know, we, a big, most of the energy historically was talking to people on the right, on the left, uh, people in journalism, people that run networks, people on platforms. We had Newt Gingrich on, we had Carly Fiorina on, we had all these different voices, um, from all sides of the political spectrum. And we, and we tried to understand how did we get so polarized and what part does media play? And I think we got a good handle on that. I think we got a good understanding. I learned a lot. I think the people that listened and worked on it did as well. Uh, But then we tried to figure out, okay, now what do we do? And so what we do now is we feature a different host every week and we help. So the, the, the notion is if you're thinking of listening to a show or you're thinking of sponsoring a show, I want a listener or a sponsor to be able to have the conversation that I have with them as a way to get to know the content and not just know what it's about, but know why do they do it? What is the motivation? And what are you doing uh, to help or to hurt the state of people in this country? Because like I said, a lot of people are driving us apart. We want to encourage the marketplace to support content that's bringing people together and achieves the business goals. That's the mission that we're on.
1: Dan, I'm a business owner and I'm listening to this show. I've got my problems i've got my issues i'm trying to scale i've got the world's falling apart madness to deal with i have all this and i'm listening to this show and i'm thinking what's the takeaways what do i want to make sure that i look at to help my business what are some key factors to glean from your amazing growth and experience so that whether i'm placing ads or i podcast i just want to get any any other nuggets or advice, wisdom, guidance, anything that you can offer to our entrepreneur audience?
2: You know, the reality is most of the advice that we need, we already know. Um, But let me reiterate some things that I think we already know about each other and ourselves and and the world. Um, No pain, no gain. You have to get in the arena and you have to participate. But media is not as mystical as it might seem to some. You know, when you think about the idea that the marketplace today allows you to build an unlimited amount of partnerships with human beings that have an unlimited number of relationships with people and that you can build a team of ambassadors for your brand who are going to introduce what you do to their audience that's a phenomenon and that's uh podcast is not the only place to do it, but it, I think when you line up the influence factor, at least today, the way pricing is, I think it's the, the best game. And I, I think it's the, the, the best, uh, uh, the best channel in the marketplace uh, for what we're trying to achieve. Measurable performance, you know, at scale is what podcast is providing. So, you know, hopefully if you're listening to this, you're understanding like, I want to build relationships with people that have relationships with audiences that they trust because they will take that trust and they will recommend to people who trust them to also trust the business that you're running. If you have a business worth trusting, that's one. Two is, you know, like we talked about, um, you know, values are a thing. And if you haven't been, if you've been profit focused, but not thinking about the impact of your profits on people, I think that 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 way of thinking is going extinct. I think you have to embrace uh, where the world is at and where it's moving to. It doesn't mean you have to get crazy. You do have a business to run. And let me tell you, uh, the bottom line still matters. So don't let anybody push you off of the fundamentals of uh, growing your top line and having a healthy bottom line. That is never going to change. But, if you, but you can't do it by any means necessary. If you could before, you, that's not a sustainable plan for you. And so getting really clear and honest about not the values you think people want you to have, but who are you and what do you really believe and what's helpful to people and how can your business directly correlate to outcomes that benefit the people who work for you, the people who may have invested with you, uh, but your customers and the people in the communities of your customers how do you leave the place better than you found it? That's a big piece of this. And if you can know that, you can actually make decisions that don't feel reactive or don't feel like you're just following a trend and going, look, I'm I'm a woke corporation. You know, that's, that's not authentic. That's not what people believe. But do they want a values purpose-driven company that's really making a measurable difference in the marketplace? Of course they do. People want to follow that. And so- Know what you believe and then follow that. And don't forget the business fundamentals because those still count. Uh, and if you, um, you want to talk about using podcasts as a way to do it, you're listening to a show that you can sponsor. If you want a partner to help you try to figure that out, we're happy to talk. I like that very much. You've expanded
1: my own knowledge on the media, the game the opportunities, its strengths, its weaknesses, a whole lot more. I really appreciate it. And once again, we spoke about winning in your category with Dan Granger, and you can find out more about all of the, uh, about Oxford Road and Dan at OxfordRoad.com. Dan, I want to thank you so much. It really has uh, opened me up, and I hope it helps a lot of our entrepreneurs in the audience. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Tony. Really appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. This was an intriguing interview about my favorite subject, winning in your category with Dan Granger. We talked about so many things, and in no particular order, we discussed today's media landscape, and we talked about good places to advertise, and from a non-biased point of view, we talked about podcasts. Are they as good as we think they are in terms of advertising with them? And we compared radio with podcasting. And then we talked about, well, what goes wrong with brands that advertise in controversial outlet, aside, well, from the possibility of getting canceled, when something is said incorrect or inappropriate on a show, how that may reflect back on the sponsor or the host or the guest. We've seen this boomerang. We've seen different things happen. We've seen wrong things happen. And we kind of have to be very careful sometimes and make sure we're politically correct. I try very hard to do that. I like to always give a good look and be not really down the middle, but just really good, fair representation and just take a look at what are good and best practices that we consider to help us in our business. We talked about, well, winning strategy in this arena for entrepreneurs. You know, what, what should we do and how Dan brought up some very good points right at the end here, and I really, really liked it. It really sums it up very nicely. And he talked about his podcast, the Media Roundtable. We talked about how it serves the marketplace. And we also threw in some of the stuff about, which I just mentioned earlier, too. We talked about the brand safety, suitability. But you know, I'd like to know what did you get out of this? What resonates the most with you? Please let us know, and thank you so much for spending some time with us. Let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks, and remember, success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony DiRso Show.